I always have the same feeling for each book, which is that I hope that somebody closes it and feels less alone and more like that, that they understand themselves better and maybe other people better too. Hey everyone, I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. A few episodes back, I talked with two-time Caldecott medal-winning illustrator Sophie Blackall. Among many things, we discussed two-time Newbery medalist Kate DiCamillo's The Beatrice Prophecy, for which Sophie created the artwork. And now, drumroll... I get to share my conversation with Kate herself. Today, we're going to talk about the Beatrice Prophecy, of course, and the many splendors and joys of reading. Before we get started, here's the synopsis for the Beatrice Prophecy. From two-time Newbery medalist Kate D. Camillo, and two-time Caldecott medalist Sophie Blackall comes a fantastical meditation on fate, love, and the power of words to spell the world. We shall all, in the end, be led to where we belong. We shall all, in the end, find our way home. In a time of war, a mysterious child appears at the monastery of the Order of the Chronicles of Sorrowing. Gentle Brother Eddick finds the girl, Beatrice, curled in a stall, racked with fever, coated in dirt and blood, and holding fast to the ear of Answelica the goat. As the monk nurses Beatrice to help, he uncovers her dangerous secret, one that imperils them all. For the king of the land seeks just such a girl, and Brother Eddick, who penned the prophecy himself, knows why. And so it is that a girl with a head full of stories, powerful tales within the tale of queens and kings, mermaids and wolves, ventures into a dark wood in search of the castle of one who wishes her dead. But Beatrice knows that, should she lose her way, those who love her, a wild-eyed monk, a man who had once been king, a boy with a terrible sword and a goat with a head as hard as stone, will never give up searching for her. And to know this is to know everything. With its timeless themes, unforgettable cast and magical medieval setting, Kate DiCamillo's lyrical tale, paired with resonant black and white illustrations by Caldecott medalist Sophie Blackall, is a true collaboration between masters. Hello, Kate DiCamillo. I am beyond excited to talk to you. I am an avid reader of your stories. And I have to say that the Beatrice Prophecy, I think it might be my favorite book that you've written. Oh, you're. It, it's, it's so nice that... Um... You can't uh, see me because in the beginning I haven't combed my hair or brushed my teeth, but also because you can't see me tearing up 
over that. What a beautiful thing to to say. Thank oh. you. You it, it, it before a book comes out, you're it's this really uh, it, you feel really vulnerable, right? There's nothing that you can you. It's kind of like putting your kid uh, on the school bus for the first day of school. There's nothing that you can do. Uh, you've done everything you can do. Um, and you just hope that the world is, is kind. So uh, uh, thank you for, for liking it. Uh, it matters to me. So I, I want to say there's, I feel like with a lot of your books, you know, there's usually a main plot between beginning and end, but I find that your main characters and, and even the side characters, I feel like they go, they, they're always trying to find their way home. And I don't necessarily just mean home as in house. I just mean finding where they belong. And I just feel like that theme is, is often there, but your characters always go through a lot of transformation. And I'm wondering when you started writing the Beatrice prophecy, did you, did you, know where it was going from the moment you started writing or did the cat <laughs> confess? <laughs> oh no. And you know, and it's such a, it, I, I have a lot of friends that write and uh, some of them would never, by the time they sit down and start writing, they know exactly what's going to happen. You know, so there's, everybody does it differently. For me, I have no idea. And so it's a relatively terrifying way to write. But it's also then I'm almost like the reader because I don't know what's going to happen either. I don't have any sense of certainty. So and I think that you're really right that that seems to be one of my thematic preoccupations is this thing about finding your way home, literally or metaphorically. And as I make my way through a story, not knowing what's going to happen, it's it's that feeling of like walking down a a long dark hallway and you can see the the you know the little light underneath the door at, at the end of just that little crack of light and so as again and again I seem to work over this thing of finding your way home I'm literally doing that as I'm telling the story trying to find my way home with the story and, and with those characters does that make sense Absolutely. I feel like that comes across. I always feel as I'm reading, even if there's a dark spot within the story, you can feel that there is a light at the end of the tunnel that we're working towards. So that made complete sense to me. Oh, beautiful. So, so Beatrice, the main character of the Beatrice prophecy. And by the way, I love the way Beatrice is spelt with that Y at the end, the R-Y-C-E. I'm assuming that was a conscious choice to spell it that way. It was, it's, you're the first person that's asked about that. And it wasn't that way in the beginning, like for the first few drafts, it took me a while to figure out that that's what needed to happen. And it was like one of those things that didn't happen as I was sitting there working, but rather I woke up in the middle of the night and thought, oh, it needs to be a why. Um, and I don't know where it came from or why I was so certain that that's the way it should be. And it's nice of you to notice it. The story takes place in a medieval setting. And so I, I almost feel like that's how it would have it would have been spelt at the time that she was existing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it's like I'm looking, I've got the I don't have the finished copy. I'm just looking at the advanced reader, the font that they use that Candlewick uses for the title 
Um, it just, it, you're right. That's what it does. That why makes it look along with that font, like it is from a different time. So she lives, she lives in this medieval world and it feels as though every male in her life, even the well-meaning ones, um, and there are some very well-meaning male characters and then possibly some not so well-meaning male characters in the story. And they, they seem to suggest a lot along the way that that she needs to be mute. But Beatrice mm. inside mm. Of, of her is absolutely anything but mute. And so there's also this theme of like, she's trying to be who they want her to be, which is mute for a very, some of them for a very good reason want her to be mute. But ultimately, we know that if you don't get to be true to yourself, it doesn't lead to happiness or everything that's right in the world. So anyway, for me, I was just, there's this theme where all of the male characters are telling Beatrice to be mute, but she is absolutely anything but mute. So talk to me about this. <laughs> well, I'm just sitting here again. It's nice that we don't have the camera on because you can't see me with my mouth hanging open, thinking what a good point. I <laughs> I never, that's a really fascinating point that they have some of these men who want her to be quiet, like you said, have very good reasons for that. Um, they're trying to keep her safe, but it's, she's this really strong character. And she won't let herself be silenced. It's fascinating. I'm just kind of like I'm processing all of that and and thinking about how it goes into something that I am aware of in the book. You know, only after the after I'd written it, did I figure this part out. The book is dedicated to my mother and that that whole that silencing that you're talking about is so much a part of it because it goes back to that feeling that I was very lucky in that I grew up in a house where my mother read to me and bought me books and took me to the library. But I was one of those kids who was desperate to learn how to read. I felt like I really needed it. And we learned how to read in first grade in those days. And I got into first grade and um, they were teaching with phonics, which made no sense to me at all. And um, I just couldn't get it. And so here I was right on the verge of doing this thing, which I, f- I felt so profoundly I needed and wanted to do, which was to read a book by myself. And yet I couldn't do it. And I, I remember coming home from school hysterically telling my mother, you know, like I was crying. I can't, I don't get it. I don't understand what they're talking about. I can't do it. And my mother said, basically, you know, for the love of Pete, calm down. She said a couple of really important things to me at this juncture. She said, you're smart, which was really helpful. And um, there's a way around this. Um, We'll just figure out a different way to do it. And so she made me flashcards. I memorized the words. She, She knew I was good at memorizing. She thought, okay, let's try this. And so that's how I learned to read. And I really do feel like I wasn't fooling myself until I could read. And so it's that sense of empowerment. Then I felt like there was like, I could do anything because I could read and I couldn't, coming back to your point, I couldn't be silenced um, because I could read and write. Well, it sort of ties into the next theme of the story that I wanted to talk about too, which is the power of reading is so strong through, throughout the story. And this podcast is called The Growing Readers Podcast. And it's all about raising readers through finding the next great book. And so I love it when the book itself is 
just shows how important reading is and how how important words are and how words and reading connect us to the world and how ultimately through education we can begin to make wiser choices i mean beatrice is a girl who is lives in a world where girls are not supposed to read and write well a lot of people aren't but yet she knows how and this starts to become a little bit contagious with some of the other characters and as other characters learn to read and write and process things improve and people get a better understanding of the world and i just i loved that theme in the book Oh, yeah. And it's there's one of my favorite parts in the books is when Beatrice, uh, because like you said, most people in this world can't read or write. It's only a few, a handful of men in power who can read and write and and the rest of the people can't. And so Beatrice becomes friends with um, a boy about her age named Jack Dory. And she finds out that he can't read. And she's just like amazed and kind of appalled. And she sets out to to teach him. And that that it's just a few pages of her introducing him to the world of letters and how it is profound for both of them that her ushering him through and him understanding that this is something that he wanted and needed and he didn't even know it. Yeah. And what a great character for Beatrice too to know that she has this ability to help raise others up around her right right yeah to like oh come on let me (laughs) kind of like a a little bit of the variation on my mother oh for the love of pete i'll just show you how to do it since you talked a little bit about favorite things i i talked with sophie blackle who did the incredible illustrations throughout i am wondering well first of all obviously she had so many great thoughts about the beatrice prophecy so i encourage anyone to go back and listen to that episode because it was so fun to get the illustrator's perspective on your words but i am really curious as to whether you have a favorite illustration that she created in the book Well, you know, I think that basically we should just spend the rest of our time talking about Sophie um, because I'm so blown away by what she did here. And this is one of like the great good gifts of writing a novel for kids is that you can get art like this that comes along and makes the story deeper and um, more deeply felt, more magical. And Sophie's art is just... Uh, there, there aren't enough superlatives for it. And do I have a favorite one? Yeah, I have one that, uh, you know, because there's this, always this, uh, you have to solve problems sometimes when you're figuring out what's going to be illustrated and how it's going to be done. And um, Sophie came up with the most elegant solution and also to me the most magical. Do you have a favorite in here, Bianca, uh, like a favorite illustration? I really love Answelica the Goat's. I, um, Beatrice is my favorite character, but, and Swellica, the the goat, I mean, she almost was my favorite. I couldn't pick almost. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I feel like I said this to Sophie. I I would want to meet and Swellica just see, like, see if I passed the test, would she butt me (laughs) the first time I met her or not? So I think I like it when and Swellica is butting brother (laughs) Eddick. Oh, I love that one too. I love that one. Like I said, I love them all. This is kind of towards the end. It's a two-page spread of Beatrice being spirited away by one of the king's men. 
she's wrapped up and on the back of, of the horse and you can't see her face at all. And above her, just it's so, it's like just in looking for it right now, it made my heart skip a beat. Above her is a story in the sky, a story that she remembers and that she's telling herself to keep herself calm um, and to remind herself of who she is. It's It's got a princess and, and a wolf and it's all above her head because she's in the story and, and using the story to ground herself, even though it's up there in her imagination and in the sky. It's just, I, I just, it's brilliant. And it makes me feel like a kid when I look at it. Yeah, that piece of art is actually really incredible because it could be a very dark moment, but Beatrice just has this this drive in her where she is always she's always one step ahead of of everybody with her with her thinking and Sophie's artwork shows what she is imagining in her mind above and it's so light and bright this but also kind of ghostly and so you almost don't see the darkness that is actually taking place in that moment because... Which is, that's a brilliant point because that goes to all of the art that she's... I mean, this is all black and white art. It's pencil and and it is luminous. I mean, it all of this art of hers casts so much light, you know? And in particular there, you're right. It's like, this is a very dark moment and it doesn't seem as dark as it is because of Sophie's art and how she's channeled Beatrice's mind. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sophie is one of, hands down one of my favorite illustrators. And so the pairing of you two together is phenomenal. Uh, it makes my heart sing. <laughs> so <laughs> did you did you request Sophie? How did that collaboration come together? I did request Sophie and I didn't, you know, I always leave it up to Candlewick. They're brilliant at this, right? And I always think, oh, this would be good. That would be good. And I requested, but I didn't know that it would, if it would happen or not, because you illustrators, artists, their schedules are, are very packed and you know there's all these different things that had to happen and and I've known Sophie and I have like said hey to each other at conferences and and we had each other's email address but you know you're always supposed to be kept apart when you're writing and they're illustrating and I so I didn't reach out and go oh please 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 but it came back relatively quickly that she was going to do it and I was just gobstopped that she was going to do it I can't think of anybody better for it and not only that I my expectations were huge and she just kind of blew them out of the water yeah she sure did yeah Yeah. so I've sort of expressed a lot of the different little bits of themes about you know your characters feel like they're coming home it feels like 
Beatrice is this amazing female character where she won't be silenced in a world that feels like it's trying to silence her. There's this beautiful power of reading and how words connect us. But I want to know, ultimately, when this book is out in the world, and I'm sure you feel the same way that when you write the story and the book gets into the hands of the readers, the story now belongs to the readers. But what impact do you hope that this book does have on young readers? Oh, boy. Well, I am totally like, not only does it belong to the readers, it's not complete. It's not really a book until, you know, it's it takes the reader to finish it, right? It's like, so it's not only is it their story, um, but it's not a story until it, it goes that full circle and is read by somebody somewhere who I don't know and I'll never meet. And they they sit and they exist in this world. We exist in it together, you know? Um, and what do I want them to take away from it? I never, I just, I, I always have the same feeling for each book, which is that I hope that somebody closes it and feels less alone and more like that, that they understand themselves better and and maybe other people better too. It's just, it's a, it's a lot to ask for all of that. You, you feel less alone. And also that you, this is the beautiful thing about reading. I just read a great essay by Ursula Le Guin. I feel like I should get up and, and get it. Should I do that? Yeah, Bianca? please. Um, it's so nice. To, I was so taken with this essay. It's called the operating instructions. And it's in a book uh, of her, Write or nonfiction writings, words are my matter. Okay, Ursula K. Le Guin. Nobody can do anything very much really alone. What a child needs, what we all need, is to find some other people who have imagined life along lines that make sense to us and allow some freedom and listen to them. Not hear passively, but listen. listen. Listening is an act of community which takes space, time, and silence. Reading is a means of listening. Isn't that fantastic? Reading is a means of listening. Yes. Words are what matter. The sharing of words, the activation of imagination through the reading of words. The reason literacy is important is that literature is the operating instructions, the best manual we have, the most useful guide to the country we're visiting, life. And so there's my outrageous hope is that somebody will feel like there's somebody that that they'll feel less alone, that they feel like they're walking through the world with somebody and that it will help. The book will help to make some more sense out of the world. Okay. I I'm speechless and I, I definitely have goosebumps right now. Well, this, I just, I cannot, that, that's all Ursula K. Le Guin that uh, is giving you the goosebumps. The book is Words Are My Matter, subtitles, writings on life and books. Yeah. I have never heard reading put that way, that reading is listening. And that's so true. And you know, what's so fun for me is I just read this yesterday afternoon 
And it's like, I could, I, I was just like, wow, it blew my socks off of it, it. It blew my socks off. And then to be able to share it with you is just like, it's so thrilling. It like, it's that, it's that same thing that we're talking about where it completes the circle. Right. And it's just like, um, it, it's like, we both get to, to listen and it's just, it's so thank you for letting me go get it and, and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you did. So I always ask this question and I feel like you may have answered a little bit when you told me about how your mom came, came together with you to, to sort of get you over the hump of learning to read. So this, this may already be answered, but you can let me know to be a writer. They say that you need to be a reader first. So was there a pivotal moment in which you considered yourself a reader? Yeah, you know, it's funny because that moment with my mom and the flashcards, it's not that I ever forgot that, but it's not how I would have answered this question before writing this book and excavating kind of that memory. It, it, it wasn't forgotten, but it wasn't primary for me because, uh, you know, she taught me that way and it worked for me. And um, and then I was like a fish to water. Um, and so the, the memory uh, is more like, oh, I never had any problem reading. I was always a reader. And so when I think of my first kind of, I, I have like a flashbulb memory of like um, being in the first grade classroom, holding little bear and sitting in like an orange plastic chair and everything suddenly clicked and I could read and I knew I could read. And that was that. It was just like out of my way, people. I It was just this feeling of always knowing that it was what I needed. And then it was confirmed. And then it was just like, I'm, I'm off and running. I love libraries and, and the town where I grew up um, waved the, you know, you could only check out four books at a time. And she came out of from behind her desk and waved that rule for me because she said that I was a true reader. So this is just confirmation of how, what I felt myself to be. And then the world said, yeah, that's who you are. You know, librarians are just, I mean, they don't get enough credit. <laughs> they don't, they don't, they don't. Yeah. So I want to just make sure, is there anything that you want to share about the Beatrice prophecy before we go? Gosh, it's more like, I feel like I've learned a lot about it by talking to you. I guess not about the Beatrice prophecy in particular, but more about books in general. I just want to say that thing of like, what a, you know, when we were talking about librarians, um, it's to me, it is the hugest gift in the world for somebody to put a book in your hands. And librarians do that again and again. And the other thing is somebody reading to you. Um, seems like such an act of love to me. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who puts a book in somebody else's hand and everybody who's who's reading to somebody. And, you know, and that goes to for kids too. I, I say when I talk to kids, you can read to the adults in your life. They need it too, you know. Definitely. Well, Kate, this has been such a treat for me. And I just loved the Beatrice Prophecy. And I know that you have so many fans out there that are going to be dying to get their hands on this book. And for anyone that maybe hasn't read one of your books, I know that once they read this, they're going to they're gonna go back and read every other book that you ever wrote because The Beatrice Prophecy is just so wonderful. So thank you for writing it. 
Thank you oh. for sharing your time with us. Oh, you're you're so kind. And I'm so grateful for your passionate reading and your insights. I'm grateful. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. To see which author or illustrator guests we have coming up and how you can ask them questions, keep a watch on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Our handle for both is The Children's Book Review. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of The Children's Book Review. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show to get new episodes as soon as they launch. If you're enjoying our book chats, please leave us a review. And while you're at it, tell a friend to come and have a listen. To discover more amazing books for kids, just like Kate DiCamillo's The Beatrice Prophecy, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com. Thank you.